What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 25 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Pellelo, and I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. Core, how's it going today? It's going pretty good. How about yourself? Yeah, Core, I'm doing very well. Core, we got to think of something, man, to change up this intro. This intro, we got to spice it up. You know what? Next week, though, we got a lot of heads coming on for our full mock draft, full first round mock draft, excuse me, in preparation for the NFL draft next Thursday. So you know what? We'll get something interesting going because there's going to be a lot of guys, a lot of voices that you're going to be hearing for the first time. going to be a fun one, Core. But you know what? Today, we still got to talk about some league news that happened. We got to give a little more insight about the NFL draft. Last week's episode, we talked about the skill positions and the offensive linemen. So this one, we're going to talk about some of the defensive players and uh, what teams we really think have a lot of pressure on them in the draft, what teams should go make a move in the draft. But before we get to that, let's recap some league news. How about that? Sounds good. All right. Starting first core, kind of these not, not crazy signings. As you know, free agency kind of prolonged now. Teams are really in a draft-focused view. But listen, some teams still sign free agents. There's still some guys out there. We did mention last week that Jadeveon Clowney, it looked like he was going to the Browns. He did go to the Browns. We're not going to really touch on that because we talked about him all last episode. But we'll start with James Conner, former 2018 Pro Bowler, third rounder from the University of Pittsburgh, then a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Signs with Arizona, goes to the desert, signs a one-year deal. Uh, Core, instant reactions. Yeah, quite frankly, I like the pickup. I saw a one-year deal, uh, a little under $2 million, so definitely a cheap contract for a guy who was a pro bowler like in 2018. So, yeah, I like the signing, and I, I think it was good to get a guy like James Conner because losing Kenyon Drake to the Raiders, you need a guy who's going to – be able to get 20, 25 carries a game. And J- James Conner, 6'1", 230 pounds. Like, he, c- he could do that. He's that pound of, like, he's that, he could go three down back. Um, Edmund, Chase Edmonds obviously put up good numbers last year, but it was not with the m- amount of volume that, like, Kenyon Drake had. And that, and James Conner's going to take over the role that Kenyon Drake had, which I kind of like, and Edmonds remains in his role with like a receiving back, maybe get like five, seven carries a game. So yeah, I like, I like the move to get James Conner cheap deal. And yeah, I still think James Conner, a good running back kind of didn't really do that well in Pittsburgh battled some injuries last year. So yeah, I, I like the, the pickup as a whole. Yeah. James Conner. Uh, listen, guys overcame a lot in his football career so far, both in college and the NFL. I mean, ton of injuries, kind of like durability concerns as the season goes on. But yeah, he's a bat. He's a warrior. He battles. Um, I think it was a good move for Arizona, like you said, too, because Chase Edmonds, I think, is best served in a complimentary role in the backfield. You can't really give Chase Edmonds a lot of touches. Um, I think one of the games, I think it was against Miami this year when Kenyon Drake was hurt. He got like 20 something touches and he just wasn't as effective. Like he's perfect mm-hmm. in that like like 12 to 15 touch um, role that they were giving him last year. So, yeah, James Conner hopefully can come in and take some of the uh, production that Kenyon Drake uh, left with. Do I think he's a great fit in Arizona? Not like, I don't think he's a great fit because I feel like he's more of a downhill runner than like their offense really should have. I mean, like I said, they're more of a spread it out type of team with Kyler Murray uh, always in shotgun instead of under center where like traditional uh, where Pittsburgh, I feel like, Oh more, you have a traditional set set of offense where big Ben's under center a lot more, but in the past year kind of, expanding into that but yeah I think a little bit of a sour note to James Conner's end in Pittsburgh just because yeah he couldn't really stay healthy and guys like Benny Snell I mean they weren't like 
outproducing him, but they were getting a little bit of uh, the carries there. Now, uh, like, like, what do you, what do you think? You think James Conner has like some juice left in the tank? Because listen, he's still, I mean, going into what his fourth year in the league or his fifth year in the league. But I mean, it kind of seems like his best year was really his, it was the second year. It was his first year starting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not yet. James Conner. I mean, you could say he's only 25, but I mean, when you're a running back, age adds up quick and all that ground, like you get pounded a lot, takes a lot out of you. So I still think he has some left in the tank. But yeah, it is maybe possibly concerning that his best year was in 2018. Did only play 13 games at 973 rushing yards. But yeah, since then, he's played 26, I mean, 23 games in the last two years, which not like he missed a lot of the season, but he did miss games. So I'd like to see him in a full schedule, like a full slate of games for the year and see if he can get back. I think it's a little, yeah, like I said, it's a little concerning that his best year was in 2018 and hasn't been as good since, but I think definitely the values there. You're not, you didn't really pay him a lot. One year deal. The guy somehow returns to his form in 2018 and rushes for a thousand yards. You extend them again. So, I think James Conner has a little left in the tank, though, so I like the deal overall. Yeah, listen, he's probably taking a little lesser of a role than he was getting in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh kind of like – he was like the main horse in Pittsburgh really first time. Like I said, I did mention Benny Snell too, but Benny Snell really wasn't taking a lot of carries away from him. So I think maybe in Arizona that keeps his legs a little fresh, maybe can keep him productive longer into seasons. But, I mean, that also comes now – like. For fantasy owners, I know now this is a completely different word from a football perspective, from a football team perspective, and then a fantasy football owner's perspective. I mean, kind of sucks, you know what I mean? Because last year, Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds were kind of in this, like, share where obviously Kenyon Drake was getting so much of the points, but, like, you had Kyler Murray stealing rushing touchdowns from Drake, and then you had Chase Edmonds stealing receptions and stuff. It was, like, almost that Edmonds and Kenyon Drake were both kind of, like, they're not, not unusable, but these guys were both, like, running back threes when, I mean, if it was just one of them, they probably would have been, like, but you could honestly argue a high-end RB2, low-end RB1. If Chase Edmonds was getting probably Kenyon Drake stuff, I know he did in a couple games, but, like, you know, like that that production, like Arizona's running back spot could produce, like, an RB1-type season, but it was getting split between two different guys. Honestly, two and a half, because, like I said, Kyler Murray was taking rushing touchdowns. What do you think about Connor and um, Edmonds in the backfield from a fantasy perspective going into this year? You think it's going to be, like, kind of the same thing? Yeah, I think it'll be pretty similar. I think, yeah, I don't really see James Conner being, like, that big of a fantasy running back. Like, in previous years, even, like, last year, he's probably going in the first three, four rounds. Like, you're drafting him as a legit RB2. And if you got nice wide receivers, you're taking him possibly before the year as, like, a like a low RB1 if you have stacked wide receivers. But, yeah, I think this year he's, he's not going to be as – good as he has been in the past in fantasy I expect him to be anywhere from like a low RB2 to like a flex play and then Chase Edmonds I don't see much of a drop off I think he'll be similar to what he was last year he'll he'll have his uh percentage owned like keep going throughout the season like it did last year and he'll put up some uh some streaky numbers so yeah I think Connor the the main running back in that system I think he's like a low running back to flex and then I think I'd mention the flex play here. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, I, yeah, I think that James Conner's value in Arizona, fantasy value in Arizona compared to Pittsburgh is a little lower, but maybe a little higher upside because 
listen, James Conner is a bigger back, so maybe the touchdowns do increase, and maybe Kyler Murray like doesn't see as many touchdowns, but who knows? Let's focus more on now the Pittsburgh Steelers side of things. I mean, it kind of seemed inevitable now that James Conner would leave Pittsburgh, especially as the offseason progressed, and they didn't reach an agreement. Um, a popular mock draft, like popular mock drafts, including mine at on Deep Ball's website, has put running backs to Pittsburgh, specifically Najee Harris. Uh, do you think this move now kind of like confirms that Pittsburgh, I think this definitely confirms that Pittsburgh will go running back early in the draft, but do you think Pittsburgh looks at number 24, they look at Big Ben's career, kind of how it's probably going to be his last year, how Juju's only on a one-year deal. I think TJ Watt now only has one year left on his contract. I know he's going to get re-signed, but now you're probably going to have to cut guys to make up for his money. Do you think they look at it like, all right, we need to like make us like we need to win kind of this year. So let's go try to bring in a guy like Najee Harris to help us right away. I, th- I don't really know about like the, the win this year, but I do definitely think they look running back and they know they need a running back. And yeah, big Ben, who knows how much time he has left in last year in the playoffs or even like at the regular end of the regular season, Ben is throwing 50 plus times a game. And, this isn't prime Big Ben where he could like handle that and handle low throw for 450 and carry the offense like that. He didn't really have much of a running game to help him out. So yeah, I definitely expect the Steelers to go Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. I prefer Harris. We spoke about that like last week or week before. And yeah, even when Big Ben is is gone, you're probably gonna have a young quarterback next, which is gonna need a solid run game to um, allow him to develop so he doesn't have to do everything right away. So I think definitely a running back in this draft, definitely got to get one. I think Najee Harris could be a stud in this league, and I, I think the, the Steelers should definitely look after him. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that, yeah, maybe it's not necessarily about the winning next year, but then it's like as you as your offense moves into that next stage without Big Ben, I think having Najee Harris already having a year in the system then, as a second year, and obviously these running backs are kind of like guys who are going to come in and make an impact right away. I mean, yeah, that's definitely going to help um, that their quarterback situation. It's definitely going to take a lot of pressure off him. And yeah, it can almost be like the run game now can be complement. The pass game can be complementary of the run, like a complement of the run game. So again, it just opens up everything in the passing game for whoever is that quarterback for Pittsburgh in 2022, because who knows? Obviously, they have Dwayne Haskins on the roster now. I'm not sure if it's necessarily going to be him. They're going to probably bring somebody in to try to. Um, battle with him I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe take a flyer on a guy in the second or third round this year like maybe even Kyle Trask maybe Kellen Mond maybe a kid from Stanford Davis Mills all guys who maybe like they could see that they can mold into it besides the point moves on from that kind of gets off a little bit of the thing but like we started with James Conner going to Arizona going to the desert another move for Arizona to try to make this push into the playoffs and another move that makes the NFC West pretty competitive so definitely a division to look out for come 2021 uh let's start recapping some other league news uh, a couple smaller guys that we'll get to after but i think the bigger one i believe this is now two days ago i want to say alex smith announced his retirement uh been in the league since 2005 when he was a number one draft pick out of utah formerly played with urban meyer when urban meyer was coaching at utah uh he did get an offer to return to jacksonville to go play with um, like to go play under Urban Meyer and mentor Trevor Lawrence, uh, turns it down. I think it's very good for Alex Smith. At least I'm very happy that Alex Smith went out on a high note in his career that he was able to go out after winning the year, winning. He didn't like, like leading his leading the Washington football team to the playoffs. And yeah, man, 
definitely a feel-good story for Alex Smith. And Alex Smith, like, I think he gets a lot of um, a lot of hate maybe because he wasn't like anything spectacular. But I think Alex Smith, like, he was he was a consistent starter. He wasn't anything that was gonna like like wow you, but like he was he was pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. Nah, yeah. Alex Smith, definitely a great career. And a memory of me, a memory, a memory that comes right to mind. I remember it was like the 2011-2012 game against the Saints in, in San mm-hmm. Francisco. And I was at like Fridays with like my family watching. I was just like having dinner, but like the 49ers game was on. And you see Alex Smith like in the fourth quarter take like that what was like a 30 30 yard touchdown to the crib it like ran it all the way in like that's just like a defining moment of you know what I'm talking about in, in his career yeah he, like, game winning game winning touchdown of Vernon Davis in that game as well yeah that one was that was a crazy game but yeah now I'm talking about yeah he gets around the edge and he just runs in yeah and they end up going on to win that game I know they lost to your Giants in the next one but not yet Alex they Smith did. definitely a good good career not great but did overcome a lot. Definitely could have called it quits after he got hurt with the Washington football team in, in 2018. But he, he came back, won the uh, NFC East, and, and, yeah, comeback player of the year. And, yeah, like a, not a great career, but definitely was on some good teams. Not not as good – maybe um, coming out of the draft, you were expecting better things, but I think overall – Looking at what he's overcome, I think definitely great career for the guy. Yeah, I'm not going to necessarily say that Alex Smith was maybe a disappointing number one overall pick, but he wasn't like a wow guy as like your number one overall pick, which like, again, like, like you said, I mean, to be, to call a guy 15 years who played in the league, played and was a number one pick, won playoff games. I mean, you know what I mean? Sometimes, you know what I mean? He was, he was a solid pick, but I mean, it'll always come back to that Alex Smith was the first quarterback in that draft while Aaron Rodgers was the second quarterback in that draft and had to wait like 20. He was picked like 24th that year in the draft and how Aaron Rodgers was from California too, grew up a 49ers fan and the 49ers passed up their hometown boy. Even Aaron Rodgers did go to college in California at Cal Berkeley. So that'll always be something with Alex Smith. Another thing, I mean, again, it's not Alex Smith's fault, but like something that'll always plague Alex Smith in his career that like, Two teams that he left because I think Alex Smith played for played for San Francisco and then he played for Kansas City oh, and then he played for Washington, right? Th- those are the only three teams he played for. And mm-hmm. both teams that he left now, like he kind of got like forced out of the way because they wanted to upgrade at those positions. I mean, what stinks is that those teams were playoff teams with Alex Smith, but they wanted to get aggressive and take it to the next level. I mean, the first one wasn't really his fault. He gets a concussion, I'm pretty sure it was. Colin Kaepernick takes over and Jim Harbaugh and Kaepernick run wild with Kaepernick's run game. And he just doesn't look back at the starting job and poor Alex Smith loses his job that way, which is really unfortunate. He goes to the chiefs and he was pretty solid with the chiefs. No doubt about it. Our goat makes it to the playoffs, but then the chiefs thought that their team could be a lot better if maybe they got the right quarterback. So they bring in Patrick Mahomes. They trade up in the draft for him to let him sit under Alex Smith for a year. And then, they trade Alex Smith when they feel Patrick Mahomes is ready. And as we see, Patrick Mahomes was def- is definitely ready and definitely took the Chiefs to new heights. But, yeah, Alex Smith, it seems like, has won regular season games where he went. I think, like I said, a couple sour notes that people will look back on his career and be like, oh, well, he was picked over Rodgers. And, oh, well, the two teams that he left got better when he watched them, we'll call it, like after they left. But, I mean, I don't think that's all Alex Smith is for. I mean, maybe that even plays into how good Alex Smith is, like, 
at, in like the quarterback room. You know what I mean? And maybe Alex Smith then has a career potentially in like coaching because of maybe the relationships he had with Colin Kaepernick in the quarterback room and uh, potentially Patrick Mahomes as well. Now, yeah, definitely, definitely brought that back into my mind. I think Alex Smith definitely having a good career, but he was just more of like a game. He was more of like a game manager, if I'm going to say. Yep. Yeah, he, he was on good teams, but those teams wanted to take uh, another step. And, yeah, Colin Kaepernick goes absolutely crazy. He rushes for, like, 180, 180 yards and like, the Packers in the playoffs. Alex Smith obviously cheering, but in the back of his mind, he's like, yeah, my job is lost there. And then he goes – then he's in Kansas City. They they lose in the – I think it was, like, the first round. And then the, the Chiefs are like, we're going to bring in this guy named Patrick Mahomes. And then they win a Super Bowl. I don't know how that makes Alex Smith feel. I wouldn't. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, he led the team to the playoffs. He's just – no offense to the guy. Like, he didn't have – he's not that top dog quarterback. Like, Patrick Mahomes, I'm pad to be one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Kyle Kaepernick was just on a magical run. So, yeah, nothing to be ashamed of. Just kind of unfortunate. But, hey, yeah, he, he led those teams and kind of like a starter. He just needed a bullpen to finish it. And, yeah, they, they got the closer and two quarterbacks – I mean, the 49ers didn't win a Super Bowl, so I don't know. But, yeah. Still, listen, still made it to the Super Bowl. They, they, they still went to – if you ask me, they still had more success than they would have with, with Alex Smith. I know oh, they yeah. lost in the NFC Championship to the Giants with Smith, but then they lose to the Seahawks in the NFC Championship with Kaepernick, and then they lose to the Ravens in the Super Bowl. But uh, Or maybe it was the other way around, but uh, like back-to-back years. But, listen, besides the point, Alex Smith, I don't think it's a coincidence that Urban Meyer, somebody who was really Urban Meyer's first guy in the NFL, really Urban Meyer's – only quarterback that's been successful so far in the NFL. I mean, probably the second most quarterback off the top of my head would be Tim Tebow, which, I mean, I, you won't find a bigger Tim Tebow fan than myself, but I mean, it's hard to call Tim Tebow's NFL career a success. But yeah, so I don't think it's a coincidence that Urban Meyer wanted to bring bring Alex Smith back to Jacksonville, kind of help mold Trevor Lawrence into uh, the player that we all hope he becomes. And yeah, hats off to Alex Smith on a great career, and you can't take anyway, anything away from the guy's toughness. I mean, unbelievable what he's accomplished in his career we'll talk about a couple other guys another guy who was a former washington football team member i know he wasn't technically on the washington football team part of the organization though uh jordan reed retired this past year kind of a little upsetting jordan reed's career was always plagued by injuries but i mean dude when this guy was healthy i mean he was one of the most athletic tight ends in the league and he was a problem in the red zone for any defense to cover oh yeah jordan reed i remember probably like 2000 15 2016 area this guy he he like came onto the scene for the Washington Redskins at the time and yeah the guy was just an absolute problem not gonna compare the guy to Jimmy Graham because Jimmy Graham I think was better obviously but yeah he kind of like a baby Jimmy Graham at the time just 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 a mismatch for most and yeah pretty local product at a New London Connecticut not far so, yeah, definitely in a career played by injuries. Even like last year, he started. He had some good games on the 49ers with like Nick Mullins, but still, just injuries definitely plagued his career. And that's just the sport of football. I mean, very violent sport, so injuries could plague people's careers, and that's what it does. Jordan Reed's really—he's only 30, not that old, but yeah, just injuries get the best of you. So, I, it was a good career for him, though. Definitely was a fun guy to watch. So, gonna miss seeing that that like 2015 Jordan Reed on the on the Washington Redskins. Yeah, man, it really it really is a shame. Definitely, I had a bunch of concussions, Jordan Reed. 
But yeah, listen, walking away from the game. Uh, yeah, he did have a couple. He did have a good game. I think it was against the Jets. He had actually two touchdowns. I want to say maybe maybe a touchdown. But he had a big game that week. Uh, I remember in fantasy. But uh, yeah, listen, Jordan Reed from the University of Florida. I mean, kind of like I don't want to say a little before his time at tight end because I feel like like as he was like yeah, I mean as he was kind of um like entering the league and like kind of like in his prime, I guess you could say like the tight end position like kind of revolutionized to this more like version of that these guys don't really have to be blockers they could just be like oversized slot receivers and I mean now a guy who's coming from his alma mater Kyle Pitts going into this year I mean probably one of the most like defining guys from this run and this new trend of like the new tight end so listen maybe Jordan Reed was a little bit before his time but uh he said I got bad on his career I was happy to see him at least play one last year in San Francisco and kind of get healthy after the past couple years he really wasn't able to play another guy who's moving homes Giovanni Bernard is going down to Tampa Bay to go play with Tom Brady and try to ring chase. Poor Gio Bernard was stuck in Cincinnati all his career. Got a little bit of a run when Joe Mixon was hurt. Uh, he's, he's on his last legs, if you ask me, but definitely a capable running back, pass-catching running back that I think Tom Brady will grow to appreciate in uh, Tampa Bay this year. Yeah, shout-out, Gio. Giovanni Bernard, guy did all he could last year. Throw ahead Joe Mixon. I get this guy Bernard from, from, from Payo. And he, and he did his best for a little bit. And, yeah, I mean, in Cincinnati, it's tough. Tough running there with a weak old line and Joe Burrow not even playing. Like, what do, you, what do you expect the guy to do? But, yeah, the guy from Florida went to the University of North Carolina, but from the state of Florida. Yeah, he's going down Tampa. Now he's going to play with Tom Brady, Gronk, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. He's got Leonard Fournette. He, he's just going to be chilling. Hopefully he gets a ring. And, yeah, I mean – if injuries do occur in that Tampa Bay backfield, they, they got more than enough depth to weather the storm there. So definitely nice little sneaky pickup by the uh, defending champs. Yeah, they were definitely looking, it seemed like, all year to try to get that pass catching running back. And maybe Fournette, like, finally like, kind of, like, took the role, I guess. But, like, Keyshawn Vaughn was there in the beginning of the year. They had Shady McCoy, too. And, like, it seemed like the, neither of those guys were, like, just, like, could put it completely together as being that third down back. I think Giovanni Bernard definitely will get the chance. I think he'll be serviceable as it. He's more of like, that's just like, he's been his traditional role. Yeah, but you kind of talked about that fantasy trade. One of the worst fantasy trades like all time, <laughs> just in like terms of like production wise too. Yeah, like I remember I picked up Giovanni Bernard only because Joe Mixon was questionable this week. And I'm thinking he came back into the game against the Colts. Yeah. So there's no way that this guy's going to miss the next week, right? Like, he literally finished the game. Like, oh, obviously he's not practicing, but he's going to come back. So I'm like this. All right, I need to clear a roster spot, so let me try to make a two-for-one trade or something like that with Corey, right? And I'm like, yo, Corey, like, I'll take Mark Ingram from you. Who did I trade? I traded Bernard, and I traded somebody else, right? Bernard Perriman. Bernard Perriman. I mean, we were in a very deep league. We were in, like, a 12-person league with, like, two extra bench spots and IR spots. So, I mean – the waiver wire, if you had a guy who was owned in 7% of leagues on the waiver wire, it's pretty shocked. So, yeah, I had, like, Brashad Perryman, who had, like, probably four catches on the season. He was coming back from injury. And Giovanni Bernard, I trade for Mark Ingram. And then Joe Mixon just decides not to play the rest of the year. But, I mean, did it really bad. Giovanni Bernard had a couple decent weeks. And Mark Ingram was off my team in about a week. I sent him, I sent him packing. So, one of the worst one of the worst trades in fantasy football history. Uh, I mean, that's just that just goes to show you how um kind of like intense we take tra- fantasy baseball. I mean, we were literally trading at the time backup running like literally on these guys' rosters. We were trading backup running backs for backup running backs and a scrub receiver too on the Jets at the time. So 
the least like offensive producer. But yeah, so I'm never I'm never forget Giovanni Bernard and his two day stint that he's uh what should we call it that he landed on my team. I don't even remember my team name. I was gonna try to think of that, but who knows? We we were a mess. That's all I know. We 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 had a decent run, yeah. But then the playoffs got to me. But enough reminiscing on that core. Instead of talking about fantasy football drafts, let's talk about real NFL football drafts. Last week we talked about the offense and the offensive linemen. This week, we're going to talk about the defense. We're not going to get too much in-depth as the defense, as I mean, this this draft is a lot more offensive loaded. Uh, definitely, there's, I mean, I don't know, like I said, I'm just spewing this out, but like, I would not be surprised to see if there's like kind of a record, like we're near, we near the record number of offensive players selected in the first round because it is a very offensive heavy draft. As you can see, the receiver position could be five in the first round. Then you got tight end, uh, at least in the first round, potentially two running backs in the first round, five quarterbacks another four to five offensive linemen. I mean, right there, that's almost, what did I just name? 17, 18, pay, like 19, like that's crazy. Like it's going to be very offensive loaded. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But we'll, we'll, we'll show the defense some love. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm, I, I can appreciate a good defensive player when it comes. Uh, so we'll start, we'll start with the defensive lineman and edge rusher position. Uh, some guys who we kind of really like and look forward to seeing uh, wherever they go in their NFL career. Um, Listen, on the defensive line and edge rushers, there's really no, like, Chase Young. There's no big Nick Bosa prospect, no Miles Garrett prospect, which, I mean, is the first time in a while. I mean, yeah, like, I, like you had um, Garrett in 2017 be the number one pick. 2018, you had um, Nick Bosa, 2019. and then, Oh, no, no, no. 2018 was not Nick. Uh, 2018 was not Quentin Williams. 2019 was Quentin Williams. Quentin Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, Quentin Williams, Nick Bosa. Josh Allen, uh, the defensive player in 2019, Cleveland Farrell went high in 2019, then last year Chase Young. But uh, there's still a couple, still a couple good guys. So we'll touch on them. Uh, a guy who I really like, I don't know if you know Christian Bar, you know Christian Barmore from Alabama. Yeah. Christian Christian Barmore from Alabama really came on at the end of the year for them. I mean, in the national championship against Ohio State, they could not block this guy. And listen, for a big guy, he is kind of quick. And uh, listen, we know how good our Alabama offensive linemen, uh, defensive linemen, excuse me, have transitioned into the NFL. I know, obviously, guy who I used to watch all the time with the Giants, Davin Tomlinson, became a real good pro. I think Barmore's a little quicker than Tomlinson, maybe not as much of a run stuffer, but I think definitely Barmore we see go in the first round. And yeah, I think he's going to be a real good football player. And like you said, he's coming from Alabama. He goes against pro offensive linemen every practice. So, I mean, definitely a guy who was in an ideal situation for his development. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're at Alabama, you're you're playing against the best of the best, and yeah, it's basically D D line you every position you. So yeah, I definitely expect him to to be pretty good in the NFL. I'm gonna say a guy like an edge rusher, Aziz uh, Ojalari from Georgia. Definitely, I think he might go first round. I know he ran like a four six at his um. At his at his pro day, and just a uh, quick guy off the edge. I think he might fall, but I could definitely see him going in the first round. But definitely a big uh, big name to watch. Yeah, listen, I'm a big fan of Ojolari, Aziz Ojolari. I mean, one of the like I said, one of the best names in the what's called in the draft. But yeah, somebody who really came on to at the end of the year he had a great Peach Bowl against Cincinnati. I believe he had like three sacks in that game. Had Desmond Ritter running for his life, but um. Yeah, like you said, another guy who's played in the SEC, plays against quality tackles week in and week out. Um, I don't know exactly where teams are going to 
like there's like if you ask me, there's like five edge rushers in this draft. You have Quiddy Payne from Michigan, Rousseau from Miami, Phillips from Miami, and Ojolari. So four of them, like Ojolari, like who are like, I mean, you can't really get a grasp because they're so like close. And like if you ask me, like how like similar their production is, and then you rate you taking like their injury concerns and how well they tested, like some of them tested better, some of them test worse, some of them have more injury concerns. So yeah, so I think Ojolari, like has he's shown in his college in his college days, as as I said, like in like in the Peach Bowl too, when the lights are on, that's a kick and play. I personally did not have him in the first round of my mock draft, which I think I really regret because I think he's a really good football player and I personally like him than a lot of the other edge rushers. But yeah, I could I think Ojolari will end up probably in the first round. I think it'd be interesting to see if he could sneak into one of those teams like at the end of the first round, maybe like a Kansas City or a Buffalo, how much of an instant impact that he could take on uh, the game. But I'll mention another Ed Joshua, I think probably who I think is the best Ed Joshua in this draft. I'll go with Jalen Phillips. And Jalen Phillips kind of really hasn't been talked about like too, too much. Starting to gain a lot of traction. He tested really well at Miami's Pro Day. This guy was a former number one recruit in his class. Uh, went to UCLA for a couple years. Had a ton of it, like a a bunch of concussion concerns, even like stopped playing football for a little bit. And then he took like a year off and then he was like, you know what? He's like, I need to get back into this and kind of like revitalized his love for the game. He was unbelievable in Miami this past season. And like you said, he was a former number one, number one recruit. The natural talent's always been there. The injury concerns are there, but I like, I think if he could overcome those injuries and stay healthy, I think this guy's a chance to be a real special player in the NFL. Yeah, definitely. He, uh, he led Miami last year at 15 and a half tackles for loss and eight sacks playing in all 10 games. Yeah. Big body, six, five, two sixty six, first team, all American, definitely a uh, potential problem. ACC, not really a football powerhouse, but definitely improved this year on a good Miami team. So yeah, Jalen Phillips definitely could be a problem to watch out for in the league soon enough. Yeah. And like me personally, I, I, I do like, Phillips more than the other kid from Miami, Gregory Rousseau. Uh, Rousseau had like 15 and a half sacks his sophomore season. He opted out 2020. It's actually pretty funny too. They both like wore the same number. So like, I think it's pretty funny. Like Rousseau opts out number. He was like, they were both number 15 opts out. Then Jalen Phillips transfers and takes Rousseau's number. And then basically like plays just as good as Rousseau. If you ask me, I think Rousseau is a little more like is, is bigger. So I, th- I think they play a little different. Like I think Rousseau is, a little, is more of a power rusher. And stuff like that. You can even play Rousseau inside. I think he just more like dominated like guards with athleticism, where I think Phillips is a little more like refined and stuff like that. But yeah, I think both those guys can definitely see their name early round, uh, like mid late round one, early round two. Because like I said, Ed Rusher, listen, Ed Rusher is a premium position in the NFL. So don't be surprised if NFL teams try to reach for these guys. Because as we saw in the Super Bowl, you know what I mean? You get to the quarterback, I mean, you could really, really disrupt the game. Yeah, I agree. If there's a position. Like you think quarterbacks position you could build around, but I mean if you get guys on the on the DM that really boosts your whole defense and makes your whole team better. Like Chase Young comes to to the Washington football team and they instantly become a really good defense. I know they have other pieces besides him. And yeah, in the Super Bowl, I mean Kansas City O line was a little banged up, but no one really no one was really thinking it was gonna be a problem until the actual game comes. And these dudes, Shaq Barrett. Jason Pierre-Paul, like, they're just getting around the edge. So, yeah, definitely a position wanted in the league. And like you said, I could definitely I could definitely see teams reaching for uh, an edge rusher early early in the draft, even if there is no prospect like a Chase Young or, or a Nick Bosa. But, yeah, definitely a position you want 
to reach for on your team. Yeah, no doubt about it. But uh, maybe one of the reasons why these guys aren't getting drafted necessarily early is because there are a couple of real good linebackers, off-the-ball linebackers in this draft, particularly two. But I think I really want to focus on one. I personally think he's the best defensive player in the draft. That's Micah Parsons, linebacker from Penn State. He opted out this past year. I mean, this guy was – he was like a recruited as a – he was a running a five-star running back and defensive player in – uh, high school, they get recruited to Penn State, and he was unbelievable. Uh, his 2019 season, he was the best. He won the uh, 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 that's the exact award, whatever the best linebacker award is in college. He won that. Uh, he was the, in the Cotton Bowl. I've said this a couple times in this podcast uh, against Memphis. Was one of the most dominating performances I've ever seen from a defensive player in college football. I mean, he had 14 tackles, two sacks, two forced fumbles. Definitely highlight tape that you definitely wouldn't want to watch. Um, I hope, as a Giants fan too, I hope that if the Giants stay put at 11, I wouldn't be mad if they went with another receiver like Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle that fell to him. I wouldn't be mad if they went offensive tackle. But if they're going to go on the defensive side of the ball, I think it has to be Micah Parsons or Bust. I would rather them take Micah Parsons, play him next to a guy like Ben Martinez. And one of my good friends, he was on the podcast, Anthony Novello, told me, he was like, I feel like that Micah Parsons, Ben Martinez connection could almost be like how the Buccaneers had Levante David and they bring in Devin White. Devin White's more uh, is the quicker linebacker, can blitz and can cover guys. And I think that was a great comparison. I think maybe that effect could kind of like happen in New York. And I think it would make the Giants defense one of the top defenses in the league. Oh, no, definitely. I think Michael Parsons, definitely the best defensive player in this draft. He sat out all, all last year, just like Jamar Chase, but like they're, they were so dominant in their past that their draft stock's not really affected. And, yeah, I the Giants, I see think, I think they should go Micah Parsons at 11 to boast uh, that defensive pair with Blake Martinez. But a guy I'm going to talk about from Notre Dame, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, that's how you pronounce it. This guy mm-hmm. really, like, built almost like a safety, but guy definitely really good player had. Uh, 41 tackles this year, just a, a a fast guy, a problem in that in that defense, and that that Notre Dame defense was really good this year and got to the college football playoff, and this guy was a a major reason for that. Yeah, definitely, uh, kind of the leader of that Notre Dame defense. And yeah, like you said, he's he's more this new breed linebacker. He's smaller. He can play. He can cover. He's more of the coverage type of guy. I definitely think I definitely see him going in the first round too. I think. I don't think he's necessarily as good as Parsons, but yeah, I think he's definitely up there. And he's uh, what's more, he's a he's a good ball player. Um, another linebacker, I guess he, I could have linked him in more with the edge rushers, but another guy who I think should definitely be in the first round because this guy's a real good ball player is Zaven Collins from Tulsa. He was the 2020 linebacker. He won the 2020 linebacker award. It's like the Chuck Bedenark, I think is Bedenark, I think is the award. Uh, but yeah, this guy, uh, he had like he had like a pick six against um. Tulane, I remember, like, win the game. This guy was all over the field for Tulsa this year. I remember watching the Tulsa game against Oklahoma State, uh, the Tulsa game against UCF. I mean, this guy was the heart and soul of their defense. He's just a, he's a real good football player. He can cover guys. He can blitz off the edge. And, yeah, I think whatever team gets him is getting a real good football player, and I think it'd be a shame to see him fall out of the first round. But uh, any anybody else you want to touch on the linebackers or you want to get moving on to these defensive backs? Yeah, yeah I think we basically hit on the uh, linebackers and – the line I'm going I'm ready to go on to the uh the DBs yeah let's do it then Corey you know what take it away what what, what D-back you want to talk about because there's a couple of real good D-backs 
particularly corners. I think safety, maybe a little weak. Maybe we only really see one safety in the first round. But I definitely think, I mean, we could see four or five cornerbacks maybe in the first round, which would be pretty uh, impressive. Yeah, no, nah, there's definitely a lot, a lot of guys here. You got J.C. Horn. Pa- I'm going to talk about Patrick, Patrick Sertan from Alabama. Obviously, I know maybe not. Didn't, they couldn't really slow down um, Kyle Pitts, but not nah, Patrick Sertan. Definitely good coverage cornerback from Flor- uh, out of the state of Florida. He'll def- I definitely see him going anywhere from like 10. 10, I mean, maybe like 8 eight to like the 15 range. I think a cornerback definitely needed position in the league. Got to lock up guys who are wide receiver one. So, yeah, Patrick Sertan out of Alabama, definitely a guy to to keep an eye on. Yeah, I'm definitely I, – I, I agree with you. I think Sertan's definitely going to be the first corner off the board. I think what helps him is, one, the pedigree. I mean, his dad was a former NFL player. I mean, his – um. Like his time in Alabama, he's always he's basically the number one corner of the past two years. Even when they had Trayvon Diggs uh, in 2019, he was really the number one guy, Sertan. And, yeah, he's been battle-tested in the SEC. Obviously, he's seen the guys from LSU they've been putting out. He guarded Kyle Pitts this last year. I know maybe not necessarily amazing, but, I mean, Kyle Pitts is just a mismatch. But, yeah, Sertan, I definitely think number one corner in this draft. Uh, another guy who I think, J.C. Horn, I've mentioned him a couple times in this podcast. I think J.C. Horn – what like I said, when he when they played Auburn particularly and he guarded Seth Williams, I've never seen a receiver so flustered. Jay Z Horn was so in his head, disrupted Auburn's whole offensive rhythm that game. I think he opted out like two weeks after that game. I don't blame him. You couldn't put a better game on film. So I think JC Horn will definitely he was already a pretty high prospect. I think he definitely cemented himself in the first round. I think maybe your Jets, if JC Horn potentially falls to twenty three, could be a very popular pick, would be a pick that I think would definitely excite some Jet fans. Another guy, too, maybe a little less unheard of, Greg Newsome, a sneaky guy on that Northwestern defense this past year. Uh, like I said, in that Big Ten championship game uh, against Ohio State, I know Chris Olave wasn't there, but he definitely had Justin Fields thinking twice uh, through his reads. Uh, with Northwestern, they play a lot of zone, too, with Robert Sala coming over from San Francisco, and he used to be a defensive assistant in um, – Seattle with the Legion of Boom. I mean, Robert Salas always stresses that kind of a cover three system. So Greg Newsome, that would be an easy fit for him in New York. So I think definitely a guy to uh, keep an eye on. And then I'll, I'll show some love to a safety, uh, Trayvon, Trayvon Merring from TCU. Uh, another one, what's his name? He was the best safety in college football this past year. And uh, I think which one? I know like a team like the Raiders too. I've been reading a lot of stuff. I Even in my mock draft, I had this um, with Gus Bradley coming over from the Raiders, another guy who plays a lot of cover three. So you need a what's more, you need a set, like a center fielder almost in the middle of your defense to play as a ball hawk. And I think Merring is a perfect fit for that defense. And maybe the Raiders take him. If not, I definitely see him going in the first round to a team that needs a needs a ball hawk in the middle of the field because he's definitely a disruptor. But uh, move on to another part, last part of our show before we wrap this up. Connor Core, want to ask you, what, what team do you think this draft now is under the most pressure? Yeah, I have actually two teams. Obviously, I think when you move up from the like move up to the third pick in the draft, you're this is just a no-brainer. You're, you're going to take quarterback, and I think everyone knows Trevor Lawrence is going to go one. Looks like Zach Wilson going two. I mean, I think the San Francisco 49ers are under a lot of pressure. 
I know John Lynch, um, like, I like the move for him to move up to three, but I think the pressure comes, like, which quarterback are you taking? I think it's between, obviously, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Mac Jones, and let's say they take Trey Lance at number three, and, I don't know, Justin Fields drops to eight, and Justin Fields is, like, a ten-time – the Carolina has number eight right now. That's a bad example because they just got Sam Darnold. But let, I'm just using him as an example. Like, Justin Fields turned out to be a lot better of a quarterback than San Francisco uh, – than Trey Lance, and then you didn't do your job. And that's why there's a ton of pressure on the 49ers. And obviously the other team I'm going to say is the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they have they have some pressure on themselves. Um, when you have Joe Burrow coming off an, a torn ACL with not much protection, I think if you decide to go a playmaker – at number five, at number six pick, no five, five my fault, yeah, 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 fifth. You go like Jamar Chase or or Kyle Pitts. I mean, you can have all those playmakers all you want, but like you can't, you can't protect the quarterback. I think you might regret not taking Panay Sewell. So I think those teams are under a decent amount of pressure. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I had the 49ers written down as the team I think under the most pressure because again, but they they know that when you move up from 12 to Number three, excuse me, you definitely put um, the most pressure on yourself. You put a big target on your back, and if you fail on that pick, definitely going to be highly scrutinized. Maybe I'm a little bit of a homer. I chose the New York Giants as another team that I think is under a lot of pressure. Uh, obviously, I think their general manager, David Gettleman, is on the hot seat. But since they did spend a lot of money this past offseason, too, it's kind of like the sense of urgency to win soon is a little bit uh, increased. Obviously, you have Daniel Jones going into his third year, which I believe is his make-or-break year. And – it kind of seems that like you got to give him all the weapons to succeed now because like I mean you got Saquon Barkley due up for a contract extension in a couple of years and they just spent a lot of money so it's kind of like with the way that the roster is forming like now you're w- walking into like that time where like your roster is kind of like ready to win now so I definitely think that Gettleman to complement what he did in free agency is under a lot of pressure in this draft. What about um a team that you think maybe not like talked about that much should go try to make a move in this draft to make a big splash and kind of like surprise some people and almost be like all right yeah maybe this team did like win the draft because i mean i I remember particularly like 2019 like the uh washington football team they moved back into the first round they took like montez sweat in the end of the first round which seems like it's been a great move so far for them and kind of like everybody was like oh they definitely won that they definitely won that whatchamacallit they won the uh they won that draft. I mean, you look back at a couple of years ago, even with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the Chiefs had Alex Smith, as we talked about, and they trade up from 27 to 10. But they were like, I want to take the next step. We want to win Super Bowls. We don't just want to make it to the playoffs. And they take Patrick Mahomes. People were like, what are they doing? Like, what are they doing? Like, this was almost, this was just a playoff team. Why are you trading for a backup quarterback, essentially, in his first year? And look what Mahomes has became. So what team do you think should go up there and make a big move and try to really win this draft? Yeah, I think the Minnesota Vikings are a team that I think should go quarterback or def- yeah, definitely draft a quarterback here or look at a quarterback in some type of way. Because if you look at it, I think right now they have Kirk Cousins. They're kind of they're kind of at mediocrity right now at best. Like they've Kirk Cousins has been a starter, I believe, for three seasons for, for the Minnesota Vikings. He's won one playoff game. Let's say you move up, you go get somehow, you get Justin Fields. I think they're currently picking at 14. Yeah, they go up, get Justin mm-hmm. Fields. He turns out to be a stud. Like, that offense was already – like that, that has some really good skill guys. Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. You go get a, a quarterback like Justin Fields, and he turns out to be 
like a franchise quarterback. I know the defense isn't great. They just got Patrick Peterson and Tomlinson from the Giants, but I definitely think if you get a, a quarterback like that, I think that team turns into a contender in the NFC. That that offense is very explosive. And Mike Zimmer, def, I think I trust Mike Zimmer. He's a defensive oriented like head coach, like a defensive minded. So I think if if you get a quarterback like Justin Fields, I trust Mike Zimmer to get that defense playing like it was a few years ago. I know they don't have the same players, but yeah, I think the Minnesota Vikings should go make a move and get a quarterback. I think they get Justin Fields. He develops. They'll turn into a, a contender in the NFC. Yeah, man. Cool. I actually really like that move. I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, the Vikings, I feel like we've kind of seen like their max. Like I don't think that this is a team that's really going to play on the second and third weekend in January when we're talking about second round of the playoffs, you know what I'm like? They just, I don't think they'll get deep into the playoffs with Kirk Cousins. They have good skill. I mean, they have uh, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Then they got Dalvin Cook at running back. They've kind of, their old lines are right. It's kind of makeshift, but they're building together. Irv Smith at tight ends, another good playmaker. Their defense was brutal last year, but they kind of got a couple pieces together. Hopefully they'll get healthier this coming year. And Mike Zimmer is a defensive minded head coach. He knows that it needs to be fixed. I mean, he said last year is the worst defense he's ever coached. He was pretty blunt about it. But, yeah, I think that is a good idea. I'm not 100% sure what Kirk Cousins' contract situation is. I think maybe he has two years left. Um, but, listen, I don't think Kirk Cousins is completely immovable so that, like, you would get rid of, like, his like his contract. I don't think it would be a bad idea even to two if they really like Trey Lance, moving up to Trey Lance and sitting Trey Lance for the year and then moving on from Kirk Cousins next offseason, kind of like how the Chiefs did it with Smith to Mahomes. I'm not saying mm – -hmm. Lance is Mahomes, but like you know what I mean? It does seem like Lance maybe does need a little bit more fine-tuning. So, yeah, I think that could potentially take the Vikings. I think that's a big, big-picture move. I think too many teams are too scared to make that move because they're like – like their GMs just would rather be safe with their job and like know that they could compete with the playoffs and rather take a swing and a miss like this. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like you, you don't win participation – you don't win trophies for playing in the playoffs. You know what I mean? You win trophies for winning the playoffs and winning the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I don't – I do not hate that move. If the, if the Vikings are really in love with one of those quarterbacks, I think they should go up and try to grab them. Uh, I'm going to go with another team picking right after the Vikings who made a bunch of splashes in free agency, and they have one hole in their roster really at quarterback now, and it's kind of like, let's go – like, you just spent a lot of money. Now let's go bring in a cheap quarterback on his rookie contract, and let's go kind of like move on to our next era of our franchise, and that's the New England Patriots. I think that – Bill Belichick has who knows how much time he's got. I think he's still got a couple more years left. He's got some years left in him, but listen, who knows with time and age. But uh, with like I said, with the moves that they made in, they kind of now complemented their offense. And if they bring in a rookie quarterback, it's not like as much stress as it would have been maybe last year when they didn't have anything around him. So yeah, I think it. I I still think Justin Fields to New England is a perfect fit, especially how Justin Fields is this bigger quarterback and how they just had Cam Newton that past year and they kind of like implemented a lot of the running stuff into their system. I think Justin Fields at this point in Cam Newton's career, Justin Fields, I think will come in and can be a better, it's definitely a better passer than Cam Newton. And I think he could take their offense to the next level. And it could finally be like Josh McDaniels could finally work with this young quarterback that he really hasn't worked with in years. I mean, cause he didn't, he didn't, or he was working with Brady, but I mean, even before that McDaniels was in uh, Denver and he was working with what's his name. I think, I think, yeah, I think McDaniels was still the coach when Tebow was there. But, uh, yeah, listen, McDaniels a couple years ago was going to go to work in Indianapolis with Andrew Luck. That fell through, so he wasn't able to go work with Luck. But maybe now he could get a little bit of a consolation prize and work with, the, like, a pretty good prospect in Justin Fields. Yeah, definitely like that. I think um, 
the Patriots going out and getting all these guys. If you look at the Patriots right now, the one question mark that you're looking at, it could be the quarterback position. Not that Cam Newton's not capable, but last year he really didn't he really didn't do well. Not like he had many weapons. They upgraded the weapons. Cam Newton now, but Cam Newton is not really gonna be your, your long term solution. Like you're not winning a Super Bowl with long, with Cam Newton at this stage in his career. So yeah, I definitely would like to see New England go, go get a quarterback like a Justin Fields, like a like Mac Jones ever fell somewhere beyond three. Or like Trey Lance, any guys like that. Yeah, like Justin Fields, you said he's a big body. It's kind of similar to Cam would allow Josh McDaniels to open up the the playbook a little more. So yeah, I definitely I definitely like that. And yeah, let's say if they, let's say they go get Justin Fields this year, it who's is who's starting week one? Is is it Cam getting it at first, and then they they go to Fields? What do you think? Listen, even the Cam Newton like contract that he signed like was very incentive driven to the point where it's not like. I don't think like Cam Newton like is forced that that doesn't guarantee Cam Newton as a starter. I think if you bring in specifically Justin Fields, I think he has to start week one. I honestly think if they bring in Trey Lance too, that's the guy that they deem starting week one. If they some if San Francisco has a Mac Jones, the Mac Jones is Bill Belichick's guy, and they go get him, start Mac Jones. I think that we saw like I don't know. It just listen. It would be a little different if you ask me if Cam Newton last year, if like there were like a little bit like like we saw some glimpses of Cam Newton like. And like, um, he got better as the year went on, like getting used to the system and stuff. But it just seemed like, it seemed like, first of all, he had his best game of the year week two. Yes, he did get COVID. So I think you definitely give him, you're going to cut him a little bit of a break. I mean, you have to, but at the end of the year, it just seemed like the Patriots one, he couldn't throw the ball more than 15 yards. He was just bouncing the ball. He looked like uncomfortable throwing the ball. I know he's had a lot of shoulder surgeries. And it looked like the Patriots just had to simplify their offense because he couldn't do some things. Whereas as the season goes on, it should, your playbook should be expanding because you're getting more comfortable in the system. I remember that game that they played against the Rams on Thursday night football. It was disgusting. And like, like they had like first and goal on the five. And like, they literally tried four straight, like quarterback runs. It was disgusting. Like their, their playbook wasn't very like, it just wasn't very deep. I think it was too shallow with Cam Newton. I think Justin Fields can just do a lot more than Cam Newton can at this point in his career. Listen, maybe Cam Newton is just a lot healthier coming into the season. I hope for football's sake he is and is more comfortable in the system. But, I mean, judging off what I saw last year, I think if they bring in a quarterback, I think they have to appoint him as the starting quarterback and let him grow. Yeah, I agree. If you're taking a quarterback that early, I think you you got to let, uh, let the guy start. And yeah, like Cam Newton – you're right. He was like bouncing a lot of balls. Like I feel like towards the, he he didn't really he couldn't really like air the ball out. Like he throws like very throwing like very downhill. Like he was throwing like a lot of just straight liners and just like bouncing them. I think yeah. But I I don't I know Cam's work ethic is uh really strong. So I I mean whatever happens I I'm sure he'll he'll make the team better whether. He's not starting week one. I think Cam will handle it well. If they do get Justin Fields, I'm sure he'll try to take him under his wing and mentor him. And if he is starting, you know he's going to give 100% out there. So either way, I think Cam, good guy to bring back. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, I think Cam Noon, yeah, can definitely help. Can can help compliment Justin Fields. And listen, competition always brings out the best in people. So if Bill Belichick, I'm sure 
if Bill Belichick brings in a young quarterback, he won't declare a starter. So, yeah, maybe it pushes Cam Newton or maybe it pushes even uh, whatever rookie quarterback there. But uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, I feel like this is a good episode, like we said, kind of recapping the league news and just getting ready then for next week's episode. Which on next week's episode, we're going to get out probably on Tuesday, give you a little bit more time before the draft coming up on Thursday. And it's going to be kind of our full mock draft for the first round. Uh, we're going to get a lot of different people on. We're going to do it kind of like people are actually on the clock and they have to choose players. So people are, it's not going to be really planned out. So it's going to be like live on the fly that like people, people will know who they want to pick, but they won't know if the guy actually got taken because we kind of want to stimulate the actual like draft environment of it. You know what I mean? We kind of want like real reactions of people getting like, um, kind of like getting screwed. You know what I mean? Like kind of, kind of give a little bit of like the NFL feel, feel, you know what I mean? Everybody likes drafting when it comes to fancy draft season. So, you know what, why don't we start drafting NFL players and kind of make it seem like that. So um, I'm pretty excited for next week's episode core. Yeah, definitely. Like I'm going to, going to be cool to have some, uh, some people on and yeah, it should be, should be a pretty fun episode. Yeah. I think off the top of my head, I think we've had four, three guests, no, four guests on the football podcast. Those guys will all come back for sure. I'm sure uh, our other guy hosts the podcast, uh, Chris Fox. Be sure to check that podcast out. That's the Deep Ball Diamond Edition. He'll probably be on there. And, uh, yeah, we'll get, we'll get a couple of new faces on there, kind of meet some people. But, yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the Deep Ball underscore. Check out our website, too, as well. Have a couple more articles going up this past week. Make sure to read my mock draft as well. It'll help gain some insight, potentially maybe learn something new for the NFL draft and get you ready for draft day. Draft day, one of the best days of the year. We'll talk to you one more time before then. Take care, everybody. Have a good day.